This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzz Killers. <laughs> Never ever will there not be a giggle. <laughs> We're going to mention the giggle every, every time, we time. We giggle. <laughs> Maybe one time we won't. <laughs> we'll Maybe. just be like, ah, and story. <laughs> we'll just be like, hee hee, death. everybody i said that already um <laughs> if you haven't seen our topic oh yeah we're on for a this new month yeah we're on a new month i'm so excited um I'm half awake and, and <laughs> this case is ac- was actually a doozy i was not expecting it um <laughs> i was like i have so many notes um but we are covering killer couples this month yes we are it's really exciting because i get to cover this one that i've wanted the not this one today but one that i have really wanted to cover before and i've talked about it so i'm pumped (laughs) i can't wait to hear this one no this one's fake crazy too i was like i'm gonna pick a short one (laughs) so that i can really get into my notes for the next one and i was like nope guess what guys (laughs) this is a (laughs) two-parter yeah probably (laughs) i found a spot in it where i was like "Mm, i can stop it here and it would probably be <laughs> decent length. <laughs> Ten pages is hard. I feel like if you have like 12 pages of notes, it's like six and six. That makes sense, right? Yep. But 10 pages, I was like, I feel like I have, I can't. I, there's more stuff I want to talk about. <laughs> so I was like, mm, I think I can end it here and it'll be on a, sorry guys, it's on a cliffhanger. <laughs> gonna be like <laughs> i did dl with Pat. yes and i was, and like, I was what? like here's the first four bodies by the way i'll tell you about the other five in a week <laughs> i was like no <laughs> yeah so that's i mean you literally get to hear about it in the next two seconds because we're just gonna keep recording <laughs> but <laughs> whatever uh, but okay um, um we are not drinking wine today guys yeah sorry there's we, no wine today we didn't feel like it <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen sometimes where we get together and go no no just not now i'm I'm fine with not doing that today um yeah (laughs) we've got water yeah we have water Um, cheers with our waters yeah i'll put (laughs) up a little thing of my water bottle (laughs) this is what we drank (laughs) man that's so funny i wish people would tell us if they've tried any of the wines that we've tried i know i want to know what your thoughts on that i want to know what your favorite one is well i don't know what mine is mine is definitely the michael david winery Oh, yeah. The circus one. Yeah, Freak Show. Freak Show. Thank you. I was like, what is but it But it called? was like a cab, though, right? It yeah, was it was like a red, but it was really good. It was good. really good. But we can't find the white in the store. I can never find the white. I'm like, I want to try the white one. Yeah, and it has the mermaid on it, doesn't it? <laughs> it oh, does. yes. I Michael David Whitery, sponsor us. We love you. <laughs> they have so many wines that I want to try. Inkblot. Yeah, they have like Inkblot, and then they have... um. I'm gonna forget. I think there's one that has to do with like weather. I think it's like tornado or something, hurricane, hurricane or, or something. Yeah, 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 something like that. You yeah, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Now that you mention it, sponsor us. We forget the name of your wine. But <laughs> no, uh, I look at their stuff all the time, and they just got like, didn't they just get voted like the best winery of the year or something like yes, that? Yes, they did. They're really, they're incredible. Really good. So try their wines, guys. We I'm like also them. terrible with names of everything. So yeah, if I like saw it, I would be like, oh yeah, that's it. I'm the kind of person that like when I give directions, here you drive to the McDonald's and then take a left at the Funky Tree, and then you're gonna see this bridge. You'll go over the bridge and then take a quick left. Like, <laughs> <laughs> people are like, isn't that like this street and then this street and over the, well, this bridge? Well, they say that like, women do that though. Really? That women are more likely to remember like significant landmarks. Like guys are like. You turn left on this street. You turn right. You like you go two miles, and then and I'm and I'm like, there's a McDonald's on the corner, and that's where you turn left. And then you're gonna go for a while, and eventually on your right, you're gonna see like this big farm, and then you take a right there, and then it's like a little bit down the ways. You'll see this big tree, and and everybody's like, "Uh, just give me the address, please. My dad used to get so mad at me with that. He's really? so, my dad is so, cause I mean, my dad was a cop. Oh So yeah. to him learning streets was That's like, like so important. it was just auto programmed in his mind. So wherever we've lived, he always knows the names of the streets. Every single one of them. Do you think it's cause he drives by and like just memorizes them? I think it's just an automatic thing. Yeah. I think oh, he wow. just like picks up the names of so streets cool. and just like processes it and keeps it because That's that was cool. part of his job for about 23 years. So it yeah. was like, it just yeah. became like a habit that he has. And so like, I remember like, I got a new job and he was like how do you get to work do you take this highway or this way or do you go down this back road and I was like 
I don't I go out the street and I take a left and then there's like that right that takes you into the other town you know where this weird place is and he's like are you serious right now he's like what are you talking about <laughs> I, I don't know what it's called I could drive you there blindfolded and I couldn't tell you what any of the names or the names of the streets are called I know I literally know how to get on to the highway and I know what exit is mine. And I know, like, I, I don't know a lot of how to get around Syracuse. But there are places, like, your house I can get. I can get to your house. I can get from our house to your house by myself. And I can get from my work to your house all by myself now. I did it yesterday. I was I very proud of myself. I can't get from work to your house. Oh, yeah. I still don't know that road. And it still freaks me out because there's a left exit somewhere. And left exits are the most confusing fucking thing in the whole wide oh, world Oh, right. Yeah. And that's where Ryan got pulled over that time. It is. Yeah. It's a speed trap. <laughs> that is a speed trap. <laughs> they get you. <laughs> that oh, was man. Such, that was such a crap ticket. I, yeah. They reduced it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just going the speed of the person in front of me. How he come literally didn't was, catch them. He was literally keeping up with traffic going maybe seventy five, and it was because it changed from a sixty to a fifty. Yeah, and it was like sixty. It's like sixty five to a fifty five. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, "You were going twenty over," and he was like, "I was literally just keeping up with traffic. Like, I don't like. You could have pulled it's over so any ten cars, and you went eeny meeny miny me, and like pulled me over. <laughs> eeny meeny miny me. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny. It me. It me. Okay. <laughs> so. Anyway, so tangent. <laughs> now um, that we've gotten you lost, um. yeah, you're like, um, we're talking about killer couples, right? What? Um, and now you're talking about roads. Um, <laughs> so Macy, what is this magnificent case about? Wow, guys, I like I said, I thought I, I think I bit off a little more than I could chew this week, but <laughs> I got so engrossed in everything, I finished all my notes in like three days. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm, I use this. I love cases like that. I use like a book, and I'm telling you, it's not even like a whole book; it's a chapter of this book. That's specifically on, and I got nine pages of notes just from that. That's insane. Like, so much information. How many pages was 35. it? 35. Oh, my God. Maybe a little less. But it was, like, information after information after information. I was like, that's important. That's <laughs> this important, This whole thing too. is fucking important. I should probably just read you and the then, book. <laughs> and then I go, like, and I read all the articles, and it's just, like, surface information yeah. it's not anything in depth and so i was like i'm gonna use books from now on fuck that <laughs> like anyway what we, book is it um and it has like different profiles of like multiple killers oh okay it's Ooh, really cool. interesting that um, sounds that's like something it? i would love <laughs> serial killers and mass murderers profiles of the world's most barbaric criminals by not nigel cawthorn and it had like um the boston strangler in there oh and cool Bunny in there and it was just like you get a chapter on each of them, so it's, like, interesting you're not reading a, a whole book about one person. Yeah. You get, like, little snapshots. And I was like, this is perfect amount of information. I'm not reading an entire book. I'm just reading this chapter. Yeah. Which gives me more information about everything. <laughs> I was cool. like, holy shit. I didn't know any of this. <laughs> I read, like, six articles, and I did not get any of this. <laughs> um, but we are talking about Carol and Fugit and... Charlie Starkweather. Charles Starkweather. I'm going to call him Charlie. Mm -hmm. She, mm, Carol used to call him Chuck, but I hate that. So I'm going to call him Charlie. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to talk a little bit about, like, the two of them before all of this crime spree. And then I'm going to get into the crime spree. And then I'm going to get into the trial. Got it. So, um, yeah. So Charles Starkweather was born um, November 24th, 1938. Um, he was the third of eight children, and there were seven boys and a girl. That is way too many kids. I know. <laughs> um, his parents were Guy and Helen Starkweather. And it, I read this thing where um, Guy had, like, I'm not, I can't remember. I didn't, like, write it down because I didn't think it was that important. He had issues, so he didn't really work. His mother worked. Okay. She was a waitress, and she basically support, supported the family. And his dad was kind of an alcoholic. But he also had, like, some sort of injury or something that made it difficult for him to work. But so they were kind of a poor family, and this all takes place in Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. They lived in a very poor community, like, in Lincoln. Oh, okay. Um, so in 1944, he has, like, his first day of school, and um, he has kind of, like, this speech impediment. Mm. And he goes to talk in front of the class. You know, it's probably like, hi, my name is whatever. Like, yeah. they always do that. And um, he 
obviously had his speech impediment and his classmates like just tortured oh. him over it um so mean i know kids are mean kids are really mean um and he, he had short bow legs and uh, hang on i'm gonna look this up really quick because i had said i was going to and then i forgot they mention a lot that he's bow-legged okay it mean um so basically when you walk your legs aren't like next to each other i don't know if you've ever i mean in supernatural i don't know if you've ever w- noticed the way jensen ackles walks dean no no he walks bow-legged you co- it's so when you walk your legs aren't like in step next to each other they're kind of kind of like they're kind of apart okay yeah i got i got the definition and it says a condition in which the knees stay apart even when standing with feet and ankles together yeah so like so it's to kind be of super exaggerated like but almost like a cowboy walk but not on purpose. <laughs> okay, that's like, okay. I guess think the that's. I mean, cowboy walk is a little bit more like like that. <laughs> they they make it look like super terrible, but like that's like to okay. get an idea okay. of kind of what it looks. I, like. I was like, I think I know what this means, but I was gonna look it up, but I forgot. Um, he had red hair, and he was quite short. He was only five five. Oh wow. Okay. Um, he had a very high IQ, but was labeled a slow learner for a really long time. Um, this was partly because of the speech impediment and made him uncomfortable to talk in social settings. Aww. But also, when he was 15, he finally got his eyes checked, and they found that he was blind beyond 20 feet. Holy shit! So he couldn't even this see. Poor kid. He couldn't even see the chalkboard. Oh my god! And he's labeled a like a slow learner, and he can't see. But his parents are so poor; they probably they couldn't afford to get yeah. him glasses. Oh, um, but so he does. <laughs> I know he does end up getting glasses. Um, he goes through school all through junior high, and he dropped out of his junior high school in 1954 at 16. And the first job that he has is in a newspaper warehouse. I'm assuming like printing. Mm-hmm. They didn't really say much more than that. Um, but uh, he also had kind of like this weird relationship with his family. He and his mother were very close, and his father like was like i said kind of absent absent he had alcoholism so like they did not get along well um and so in 1955 he has a a fight with his father um one night and he ends up getting i getting kicked out i'm pretty sure and um moves in with his friend bob von bush and he's pretty important so remember the name okay i know he like becomes a serial killer but at this point i just kind of want to give this kid a hug i know i feel bad (laughs) for him so bad for him and it's kind of we're gonna talk about like his like motives for things later on and it's like shit like if somebody had just treated him nicer in his life this probably would have never happened yeah he just had shitty circumstances yeah just like you know shitty things and there's no excuse no excuse no excuse no excuse for what he did but if you're trying to get into the brain of him or his brain yeah (laughs) of him his brain that's you know it's understandable why he snapped he basically snapped. kind of yeah um, not to the extent <laughs> well guys you're on you're on for a bumpy ride here it's <laughs> this case is crazy <laughs> it's really crazy um and so like charles charlie sorry he kind of develops this like i don't like james deany kind of style he raced hot rods and had was in demolition derbies he would joyride in stolen cars and strip them for parts oh, like shit, okay he dressed like james dean he had the hair and he was wearing his glasses he had like a cigarette dangling dangling uh-huh. from his lip he like worshipped james dean like typical like delinquent teenager of that era yeah like that's kind of what he identified with and that was like something that becomes like pretty prevalent later on in the case interesting okay so in like i said he had this james dean persona and he was like living with his family sometimes and then going to bob von bush's house and like Mm -hmm. you know he kind of was everywhere he didn't have a set home yeah and in 1956 bob brought charlie on a double date with barbara fugit who was her older sister and so that and Barbara was Bob's girlfriend, and so that's how they met was like through this, okay, this relationship. Um, and Carol hmm, was just thirteen years old when we, they met, so he was eighteen. Oh boy. Or had just turned nineteen. <sighs> um, Carol Ann Fugit. We're gonna talk about her now. 
She was born on July 30th of 1943, um, and she is the youngest female in U.S. history to date to have been tried for first-degree murder. Oh, fun! (laughs) First, (laughs) youngest female. Yikes. Okay. So her parents were Velda and William Fugit, but her father was a drunk and convicted peeping Tom. Oh, good. Okay. So they got divorced <laughs> in 1951. <laughs> Lord. And Velda remarried, and her new husband's name was um, Marion Marian Bartlett. I couldn't tell which one was the man at first because it's Velda and Marion. And I just thought of, like, Maid Marion. Yeah. From, like, Robin Hood. So <laughs> I was like, wait, that's forward wait. thinking. Who's who? <laughs> uh, I was like, wait, who's who? Um, but, like you know, Charlie Carroll was also very short. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was only about five one. So like really short people. Wow, yeah. Um and she was con like people said she was confident, opinionated, and rebellious. Um she was also considered a slow learner and did very poorly in school. I couldn't find whether that was like um because she, like, it, well, I don't know if well, it was the same situation as Charlie. Well, yeah, like, where he needed glasses. Where he needed glasses, and, and he was very smart, but he had a speech impediment. Yeah, it might he that was, be like, she bullied into silence, basically. Like, yeah, there's she, no... Yeah, they were much more in-depth about, like... Him. Him, uh, his, you upbringing. know... Upbringing. than a little okay. bit about hers. But, um... So, um, according to, so- <clears throat> to sources, she did not practice self-control. She did not like her parents very much. And she was high-tempered, easily angered, and violent. So. She sounds like a ball of fun. But there's this, like, (laughs) we're going to get into this later. There's this whole he said, she said thing going on. Oh, no. So, like, there is a lot of information that they get from a source that probably isn't the most reliable. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Um, So after Carol and Charlie go on this date um, together with her sister and Bob, um, she goes out with another local boy very briefly, um, and he tracked this guy down and threatened to kill him if he ever saw Carol again. Like, that's how much he liked her. Wow. Yeah. Okay, then. And after this, (laughs) they start, quote unquote, going steady. Oh, Lord. All I can think of is from Bye Bye Birdie, going steady, going steady. Steady, steady, da, da. Like, uh, that's all I can think of. Um, sorry, guys. My musical theater kid's coming out. Um, and I just want to make this, like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, but the two of them, like, from the beginning have a pretty sexual relationship. And it's, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> but it's so weird because he's, like, 18, 13, and then 19, 14. Like, yeah. it's icky. It's so weird. Today, um, that's illegal, kids. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, I read it. I saw in this documentary that um, he was kind of immature. So he was, like, so smart, but uh. he was, like, not mature. And um, it was. they said it was probably very unlikely that he could have pr- impressed a girl his own age. Wow. Okay. So he was impressing the younger girl because he kind of – it was in that same mindset. That's so. But uh, he's so smart. I was going to say he's so smart. So that's such an odd situation. That's so weird to think about. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, so at some point during this time, he quits his job at the newspaper warehouse mm-hmm. um, and starts working as a garbage collector full time. And I think it's with his brother or Bob Von Bush. Like they're all kind of connected. Okay. Um, and. He would always buy Carol gifts, like little um, little toys and, like, you know, clothes and stuff like that. And so he started kind of running out of money to be able to pay his expenses, that, like, for living. Oh, boy. But while also trying to, like, spoil Carol. Um, <laughs> and this is – I think he'd always kind of done this, but this is when they talked about it, fantasizing about being a criminal, like an, an uh. outlaw. Yeah. You know, like <coughs> yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. We had kind all of. this money. We could. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know. if yeah. she, I don't know if this is when she starts fantasi- fantasizing about it. But I think he always kind of fantasized about it. And yeah. then like 
once this started happening, it was just like, oh, well. It became even bigger. Yeah, I need to make money so I can spoil my girlfriend. Um, And so this is when he decides to um, rob a gas station. And then he's going to continue and eventually graduate to some sort of bank robbery. Like, that's his goal. Oh, God. Is to rob a bank. That's that's a not good goal. Um, so <laughs> set better goals, kids. Yes, don't um. do that. <laughs> um, so he decides that he is going. <laughs> this is such like a midwestern thing. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, he decides to rob Crest Service Station on Corn Husker Highway. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh cool. Um, and the highway led like north out of the city. Okay. Um, and guys, just remember, we're in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and he knew this road and this service station very well. He'd actually, like, slept in his car in their parking lot before when he'd gotten kicked out. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, the gas station attendant would come and, like, knock on his window to get him up for work. And, like, wouldn't you be afraid that they'd know who you are? Well... That um, fact's gonna bite him in the butt, isn't well, it? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, damn it. Okay, so on December first, nineteen fifty-seven, uh, that is when Charlie decides he's going, he's gonna do it. He's gonna rob this gas station. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty-one-year-old Robert Colvert was the only one working at the gas station that night, and he had taken this job as like a second income because his wife was pregnant. Oh. Um, <laughs> He, like I said, he was new to the job, um, and I, di- I didn't find this in any other source, but I found it in the book, so I thought it was pretty credible. Um, he had fought with Charlie the day before because they were, like, they did things on store credit because you didn't have credit, credit cards, cards, so you would have credit at the mm-hmm. store, and, you know, you'd have to pay it back. So he tried to buy something for Carol, and he wouldn't let him use it because he'd use too much. Yep. Um, but Robert, like I said, was alone this night. And, um, like, he cased the place first. He, like, came in as himself, saw who was working, left, um, came back again a second time, bought some gum, and then drove away again. And then he, when he came back the third time, um, he came back with his shotgun loaded. And this, um, shotgun had been stolen from his friend <laughs> Sonny. Ugh. He had a bandana covering his face from his nose down. So all you could see was his, was his eyes. Um, and he also had his hunting cap on. So you couldn't say, see the hair. I was just going to say, please tell me he covered up his very obvious ginger hair. Yeah, he covered <laughs> up the hair. And, he, and <laughs> so that's how he didn't get caught. Um, he handed Robert a canvas bag, like for the money. Um, and Robert filled the bag with everything from the register. And it was $108. But I heard that he opened, like, I read some sources where he said he opened the safe. And then I read some sources where he said he didn't. But I don't think that Robert knew the combination to the safe. He was too new to know the combination. Um, And so Charlie then, when he realizes he's not getting any more money, forces Robert into his car at gunpoint. Um. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they drive north um, towards Superior Street, which was a popular lover's lane at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, he made Robert get out of the car. Um, and he, according to Charlie, that's when Robert attempted to take the gun from him. Um, mm-hmm. And, oh, sorry, uh, the gun went off in this struggle between the two of them. Robert was hit and he fell. Um, and then when... He attempted to get back up. Charlie reloaded and aimed his the barrel at his head and fired. Oh. Like, sh- shot him point blank. In the his head. wife was pregnant. Yeah, and Robert's wife, like I said, was pregnant at the time. Oh. And she gave birth to their daughter five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> five months, sorry. <laughs> later on April 24th, 1958. Oh. Um, That's so sad. So, he, like I said, he kind of does this in, like, the more, like, the early, late, late night early morning hours uh-huh. and later he picks carol up she was like let's make this she was not involved in this okay she was not involved in the murder of robert colvert okay um she found out about it after the fact all right um because <laughs> some people will say oh they have this many victims and it's really the two of them only have a certain amount and yeah. one of them is his own yeah um 
so he picked up Carol later that day and told her about the robbery. Um, he told her about the murder, but said that he had had an accomplice and he didn't give this person's name and said that the accomplice shot him, not him. Yeah. Um, and this was interesting from the book. It said that later that evening he like disposed of this stolen shotgun in the creek and then later came back and fished it out and cleaned it and put it back in Sonny's house. I don't know which one's better. I think actually putting it back might be smarter. I think so. I think so. Because they're never going to find it unless they have suspicion of you. And he's just some random person that is going to have clearly nothing to do with this. So why would they even think to check? Yeah. But after a while, if you had thrown it in the creek and never gone back, somebody's going to be like, where the fuck's my gun, man? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd be like, um, hello. Yeah. So I think that's probably why he went to go get it. That is kind of smart. Um, smart guy. Smart. Smart guy. Smart, he was like, terrible shit. person. He's like, <laughs> he was like, shit, that was stupid. Let me go get it back. Yeah. Hopefully it's still there. Um, <laughs> so, um, investigators were given Charlie's name when they were investigating Robert's murder. And let's just, I want to put this out there. This went unsolved for a while. Really? Okay. Um, this like not like years or anything, but like a couple of months go by and they don't they do not know who did this. Um, but investigators were given his name by several empo- employees at the service station and no one went to question him. Are you serious? Yeah. Why? What's wrong with cops? <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to question him. Um, but what did Charlie do with this hundred and eight dollars that he earned oh, um, from this bank robbery or uh, from this robbery? I don't think I want to know, but I want to know. <laughs> he paid back. He paid his back rent. He owed rent, so he paid some rent. He um, had his car repainted. Like <sighs> what? I can't even like it cost like six hundred dollars just for like basic paint. For your car now. Like, right? it costs thousands of dollars. If you want it to look good. And you can <laughs> parcel $108 out and still get your car painted. Well, I, I would say he paid his back rent and got his car painted. I, I'm like, um, <laughs> um. I wanted to tell you, $108 is literally um a 14th of my rent. <laughs> right. I know. It's not. Like, what the fuck? Can we go back to this time, please? Where rent was like $100, maybe? Please. Um. Anyway. <laughs> um, but he also bought some uh, secondhand clothes at this store and um, about $10 worth. And what was interesting was that he used rolled coins to purchase them, which is what you get in cash oh. registers. Oh, that To make dummy. the dollar. God, but you couldn't even take it out of the roll. Right. And um, this, like, kind of made the store attendant at the time suspicious. And she called the police. But she couldn't identify him. She didn't know who he was. Oh, okay. So they were like, um, I guess just call us back if he comes back. You know? Yeah. You know, if you recognize him and he comes back, give us a call. So they knew that he had the coins. And they knew that it was probably this dude. Yeah. But they couldn't. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. Oh. Um, and it's around this time that he kind of stops showing up for work. And like I said, he was a garbage collector. Uh-huh. Um, and he's fired. Of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> so this is kind of when everything starts happening. Um, like I said, Robert Colvert was murdered on December 1st of 1957. And then in, 19, uh, in January of 1958 okay. is when things start to go south. Got it. Like really south. If they weren't going south already. <laughs> um, so Carol's parents noticed that she was gaining a lot of weight. And they were worried that, like, Charlie had impregnated her. Like. Oh. oh. They were, like, worried about it. They did not approve of their relationship I at all. I wonder why. Because he was 19 and she was 14. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Even they didn't like it. Um. He came to their house that day, and Carol told him that she did not want to see him anymore. Oh. Um, she got into a big fight with her parents, and she maintains that she told him they were over. Um, Interesting. What does he say? 
How are we getting? We're gonna find out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just gave the face. <laughs> yeah. um, but he was supposed to go on some sort of a hunting trip with Marion later on in that week. So he was just like, oh, I'm gonna just leave her to cool off. Mm-hmm. She probably was just pissed at her mom. And when I come back, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. You know. So according, this is all according to Charlie. And then I'm gonna tell you Carol's version of events after this. Okay. On January 19th, oh, sorry, January 21st, 1958, uh, Charlie returns to their house for this hunting trip. And, like, he tries to give Carol's mother, like, something he found in the garbage. (laughs) But as, like, a peace off, like, a gift as a peace offering. But it's something he collected from the garbage. I was just going to say, here, I'm trying to make nice, here's my trash. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so he had borrowed a um 22 bolt action rifle from his brother rodney for this trip like he didn't bring it like yeah according to him to kill them um but velda comes in and tells charlie that like no way is marion going out with you and you need to leave like get out of here and um charlie claims that he did not res- that when he did not respond to her velda started like hitting him in the face like that seems like an escalation i was gonna say that's an escalation to somebody's not responding to you yeah um and this is when charlie runs out of the house but he leaves his gun he so he has to go back to get it because he left it there um and when he comes back marion is there he had been at work or something Mm -hmm. um and he wouldn't let charlie in (laughs) bro just give me my gun back (laughs) um he goes, he leaves again. I'm telling you, he always like leaves and comes back and leaves and comes back. <laughs> and you'll notice that it keeps happening. Is it keeps happening throughout the whole case. He'll leave and come back. He'll leave and come back. It's so it's weird. It's like a struggle with confidence almost. Yeah, it's like so weird. Um, and so Charlie like walks down to like a local store and gets on and asks to asks to use their phone. Um, and he calls Marion's employer and tells him that he's sick and will not be in for the next few days. And he worked at, like, a transport company, so I'm, I'm not really sure what that means. But okay. Um, Marion did. I'm sorry. Um, he left his car at a friend's house, dropped it off at a friend's house, and walked back to Carol's house. Smart. 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 I, hate, I hate it, but it's smart. I say I hate it, but it isn't smart. Um, and when he comes back, Velda and Carol are arguing about the um, – possibility that she's pregnant um when he comes in the house velda starts hitting him in the face again (laughs) this time charlie hits her back no um and marion at that point steps in and grabs charlie this is all like i said this is all charlie's version of events yeah um marion comes back in and he grabs charlie by the neck and is dragging him towards the door like, and I don't know, like, what is he, like, his legs are kicking, and he's, like, yeah. yeah, like, I don't, maybe he's just pushing him, I don't, I didn't really understand, I was like, okay, um, <laughs> this is what I write next, Charlie kicked him in the gonads, <laughs> um, and wrestled him to the ground, um, and, and at some point in this altercation, Marion manages to get away, and starts looking for a weapon, and when Charlie sees this, he obviously does the same, yeah, um, and, Charlie happened to pick up his gun first um, and shot Marion in the head as he was charging at him with a claw hammer. Oh, boy. This is, like I said, <laughs> this is all Charlie's oh. version of events. <laughs> so yeah, there's only two people that tell this story, and both of them are criminals. Remember this. <laughs> yes, and Carol, in his version, is there witnessing this. Okay. Um. That's when, so, like, he comes at him with the claw hammer. He shoots him in the head. Velda grabs a knife and th- from the kitchen and threatens Charlie. And he started to reload. But Carol, like, he says that Carol grabbed the gun and, um, and, and pointed it at her mother. Yeah. And said that she would blow her to hell. Um, Lord. <laughs> Velda pushes her over, according to Charlie. Charlie grabs his weapon from mm-hmm. Carol, who had taken it from him. And shot Velda in her face. Okay. And, then, and then proceeded to hit her three more times in the face with the butt of the gun. 
So unnecessary. And guys, <laughs> some of this case has like BATW, big ass trigger big warning. Big ass trigger warning. Just warning you, this is something that is heavy. Carol had a two-year-old sister from Marion and Velda's marriage. Um, and this is when she starts screaming. Charlie hit her with the butt of the gun. Then um, took a knife. He had a hunting knife with him and threw it at her. What? He said he was um, aiming for her chest, but it hit her neck. Ah! Um, And according to sources, Carol hated her sister. She thought that she got more attention. She didn't like that. And her, her sister, sorry, her sister's name is Betty Jean. Um, after this happens, Carol notices that, like, Marion is, like, moving around. Mm-hmm. And Charlie goes over to him and starts stabbing him repeatedly in the throat. Oh, my God. Um, Carol and Charlie wrap up the bodies in rugs and bedclothes. Um, and dragged them out to that yard, out into the yard that evening. They had a, pr- they called it a privy, so it's like an outdoor toilet. They didn't have a bathroom in the house. Okay, so they an had, outhouse. yeah, they had an outhouse. Velda's body was stuffed into the actual toilet. What? Betty Jean's body was put in a box on top of the toilet, and Marion's body was in the family's unused chicken coop. What um, the fuck. They cleaned up the house together and watched tv the rest of the night charlie said that even after the murder he started to clean up and carol was just sitting there watching tv that's what he says uh charlie claims even later on too that carol participated and egged him on in all of this okay um but according to carol she was not present when her family was murdered um, when she was at school and she came home and found Charlie at the home with the gun and her family was gone. She says that Charlie told her that he was planning a big bank robbery and that the family had like found out about it somehow. Um, and that he and quote unquote his gang had taken her parents hostage. Um, and he told her that all he had to do was make one phone call and they would be killed. So she needed to cooperate. Um, that is Carol's version of events. She says throughout the whole trial, everything that she was an unwilling hostage. Mm -hmm. Charlie's version of events is a little bit different. Okay. Much different. Much different. (laughs) Um, And that's why I'm like, I don't know what to think about this case because I'm like. I was going to say, normally you could be like, okay, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But what the fuck is the middle of those two freaking points of view? Mm Mm-hmm. Because at first he says that she, like, only was kind of a part of it. And then, like, later on he says she was fully involved. Like, his story yeah. keeps changing. So I don't know if he's credible or if he's, like, trying to protect her and then eventually just tells the truth. Uh-huh. Like, that's, that's, I'm not sure. That's anyway. so weird. Um, so, after these murders, um, they, or Carol, I guess, she pins a, a door, a, a door, a note to the door, <laughs> sorry, um, to keep people away. And it says, stay away. Everyone is sick with the flu. And she spells flu, F-L-U-E. Oh, Lord. Um, and anyone who knocked on the door, Carol would come to the door and say they were all sick and in quarantine. They had been given doctor's orders not to let anyone in the house. Sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and according to Carol... Um, Charlie would be in the other room, like, with his rifle, like, drawn. But that's according to Carol. According to Charlie, she answered the door out of her own free volition, and he was not there. And she told them to stay away. Without his, without his prompting. Um, together, they spend, I know, (laughs) together they send, they spend six whole days in the house. And Charlie says that these are the best days of his life. Are you serious? Yeah. They drank soda, um, they made love all over the house, and they practiced throwing knives. Ew. Charlie even went to the store um, for grocery runs and used money that was stolen from the family. Um, 
Carol claims that Charlie would tie her up when he went out, and Charlie denies this. He said he did not do that. She was at the house, like I said, of her own free volition. I feel like she's trying to play victim. That's my current point of view. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. This gets gets fucking crazy. Um, (laughs) It's killing me. I'm like, I don't know what to think. (laughs) So this is a story that I only read in the... um, in the book that I mentioned. Um, okay. But I'm going to I'm gonna bring it up because it has to do with Bob Von Bush. Okay. Um, January 25th of 1958, um, Bob Von Bush and Carol's sister Barbara, they're now married. Um, they come to the door with their brand new baby. And, um, like, once again, Carol told them that they had the flu and the doctor had said not to let them in. Yeah. Um, but Barbara kept standing at the door because she was concerned because she hadn't heard from her mother in a while. Um, and she just had a baby. So like, you'd obviously hear from your mother, right? Yeah. Um, and according to this book, Carol screamed, go away. If you know what's best, you'll go away. So mother won't get hurt. But this is a, this is the only place I read this was in this book. Um, and so the two of them leave, but then Rodney Starkweather, um, Charlie's brother and Bob Von Bush return later on the day and Carol says the same thing again. She's like, get out of here. Yeah. Um, they called police and the police responded to the home, but Carol came out again and said that the family was sick and she could not let anyone in. Um, and she also told the police that her family didn't like Bob Von Bush and that's why he called the police. But this is her sister's husband. Yeah. So that's weird. Um, I feel like a, parents had a lot of influence who their kids married those days. Yeah. So that did. was strange to me. Um, so the police said that Carol seemed c- calm and controlled, and so they left. They didn't do any more searching. And then um, you can't really. after the police leave, mm-hmm. Rodney um, – well, sorry. Charlie brings Rodney's gun, which he had used in the murders, Yeah. to a friend's house. And calls Barbara, told her that he had brought groceries over there, um, and said, can you, like, can you leave a message for Rodney that um, I left my, that I left his rifle at this friend's house and he can go pick it up there. Yeah. Um, when Rodney picked it up from said friend's house. Oh, no. He noticed that the butt plate had been knocked off the bottom uh. of the gun, but didn't know what this was from. Oh, no. So a couple days later, on January 27th of 1958, this is like several family members come to the house. Yeah. Get the same treatment. Um, and mostly her grandmother. Um, this is like mainly like her grandmother like bugged the police <laughs> so much <laughs> that they came back. Um, go, grandma. Yeah. Go, grandma. <laughs> Um, so, like I said, the grandma keeps bugging the police, and they show up to the house again. Um, and they knocked on the door, but got no answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and they broke it down, down the door, and the couple was gone. And so was the family. And the house looked tidy. So, again, they leave. Yeah. But Rodney Starkweather and Bob Von Bush were, like, something's wrong. not convinced. Yeah. They were like, uh, what the fuck? So um, they returned to the house at 4.30 on the 27th of January um, and immediately found the bodies of Marion and Velda Bartlett and, Bill- and Betty Jean Bartlett. I like that they found them in like two seconds and the police were like, nope, it's good. Well, they said that they went and searched the yard. Oh, like okay. they were in the house and they were in the yard and the police never went to the yard. Gotcha. They only were at the house. Okay. Um. So this is the same time that they noticed that Marion's shotgun is missing. Mm. Um, they put out the police put out an APB because eventually, like you know, obviously they call the police again. They're like, we fucking found bodies. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> the the police put out an APB for Charlie's car, and they said that he was armed and dangerous. Oh no. Um, by this time, Charlie and Carol have headed south out of Lincoln. Yeah. They like got spooked, and got out of there mm-hmm. because so many people had been like what the fuck and the police had showed up multiple times yeah um and 
Charlie decides he's going to head to a family friend's farm. His name was August Meyer. Um, and he lived two miles east of the town of Bennett, um, which was like the next town over. Mm-hmm. And um, it w- he lived like off of a dirt road. Yeah. Um, Charlie's car. And remember, this is in the middle of winter. Um, Charlie's car gets stuck in the mud because everything has started to melt and like Ooh, freeze back yeah. up. And, da, da, da. Um, and so they trudge through six inches of snow to get to August's farm okay on this dirt road yeah (laughs) um and then when when charlie and carol get to myers house this is when charlie shot myers and his dog um this man deserves he claims death in a painful way well (laughs) we'll talk about that (laughs) um (laughs) he claimed it was self-defense he said that there was some sort of an argument. And this reminded me of Todd Kolhep. He kept saying that people had started arguments with him and he just shot them. Yeah. I was like, huh, <laughs> what? Huh, okay. He says it was an argument. Um, and he said that Myers went into the house to, like, get a coat. Like, that's what he said. Like, Myers was like, I'm going to go inside and get my coat. Yeah. And then he came back out with his rifle and started shooting. That's yeah. what he told the police. Okay. Uh, later on. Um, but there are also reports that say that he might have been worried that Myers had heard the APB for him over the radio. Oh. So. That's possible. Maybe he did hear it and was like, oh, I'm going to call the police. And he shot him. You know. Yeah. Um, he, Charlie meaning he, um, blamed this fight that he has with August Myers on Carol. He said that she was mad about getting stuck in the mud and claimed that she said we ought to blast the shit out of him because he did not because he did not shovel his lane. Like what? What? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? I think I'd be pissed if I was stuck in the mud too, but I don't think it's shoot kill somebody I know. worthy. Like what? Yeah. Um <laughs> so Charlie dragged Meyer's body out um, to the wash house, which I think is, like, kind of similar to, like, a outhouse or a privy. Yeah. And covered him with a blanket. They looted the house, took, like, guns and food and things like that, took a nap, and then trudged all the way back to the car in the snow. And I also think at this time they get clothes, too. They get new clothes. Okay. Um, and... There was this whole thing about they tried to get the car out of the snow and then somebody helped them pull it out and then it went back in again. And I didn't even care about that. So I was just like, their car is still stuck. <laughs> and they start hitchhiking. Okay. Um, and this is when Charlie and Carol are picked up by Robert Jensen, who was 17, and Carol King, who was 16. Oh, no. Guys, B-A-T-W. Oh, no. B-A-T-W. <laughs> um. These poor people. They um, they basically pick them up, right, like a normal hitchhiker. Yep. And they take they tell them, the couple, not Carol and Charlie. Yeah. But the couple tells um, ca- tells Charlie and Carol that they'll drop them off at the nearest service station. Yeah. Um, and at this time, Charlie and I'm not sure about Carol, but they at least have one gun, and it's visible. It's not hidden. It's like a rifle. Um, and obviously Robert and Carol noticed this and are like, uh, why do you have a gun? And he said that they're not loaded. They had gone like hunting or something like that. You can put it in the trunk. <laughs> but he has it in his hand. It's so scary. Um, Charlie said that he immediately hated Robert and Carol when he met them because they were smart, conservative, popular, and most importantly, middle class. Oh. Everything he fucking hated. Like, the worst people in his yep. mind. Like, you're smart. Like, you're the popular kids in your school. The you kids, pick on me. The like, kids that tortured him in his upbringing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he puts the gun to the back of Robert's head while he's sitting in the back seat and um, told him to give Carol his wallet. And they do find this wallet on her. And that is what, um, that's kind of why, like, part of her trial, like a big part of her trial. Okay. 
Um, I, I heard that this was like, I read in the book that it was an abandoned, they drive to an abandoned schoolhouse, but they said in like other things that it was just like a, like a, the, you know how they have those underground storage things? Yeah. So I'm not really sure if it was like an, in an actual building or if it was like outside of it. Okay. Um, but they, but they take them to this abandoned schoolhouse on the property. Um, on, and it's kind of very close to my, like my August Myers farm. Like, so they go back again, Ooh. going back, going back. Um, and he he takes Charlie does he takes um, Carol King uh-huh. not Carol you get and Robert out of the car and leaves Carol Fugit in the car. Okay. So um sorry I lost my no you're place. good <laughs> um so he takes them into the cellar whatever whether it's outside the property or inside. Of this abandoned school, and he has them at gunpoint. And remember, Carol Fugit is in the car, mm-hmm. supposedly. Supposedly. Um, <laughs> as they walked down the steps into this um, cellar, mm-hmm. Charlie shot Robert from behind. And later claimed that Robert had tried to get the gun from him. Um, but that obviously, was, he had been shot in the back. So that wasn't true. That's not true at all. <laughs> um, and when the body was found, he had also been shot six times in the left ear. In the left ear? Like he fell and then he just continued to shoot him. Oh. Um. That's weird. Ow. Here's the thing. <laughs> Carol King also dies at this time. And Charlie tells several different stories about how this happens but he was alone with her for about 15 minutes oh no okay um he shot her he says the first story he says is he shot her when she started to scream um and the second version of this is carol did it okay of course (laughs) um (laughs) always gonna bring carol into it again uh carol had been killed with a single gunshot from behind mm-hmm. um and when their bodies were found jensen was laying on his stomach at the bottom of the stairs like in a pool of his blood yeah um and carol was half naked on top of him her coat was over her head and her jeans and underwear were down around her ankles oh no um mm. and her back was scratched and covered with mud like she had been dragged across the dirt floor of, uh. of this cellar um, she had been stabbed, guys, B-A-T-W. She had been stabbed several times in the groin. Mm. And her autopsy revealed internal damage to her vagina, cervix, and rectum. Oh, jeez. Um, and investigators later determined that the weapon that likely caused these injuries was a rigid double-edged knife, which was much like the hunting knife that Charlie tended to carry around with him, but was never found. Oh, okay. They never found that weapon. Um, they did not find any fluids or other evidence, um, that indicated she had been sexually assaulted, like, prior to her death, or, like, he wasn't, like, having sex with her body or anything, it just looked like, I don't really get it, um, but Charlie claimed, um, that he initially, he initially claimed that he did rape her, but then later said he only thought about it. And pulled down her pants. And I'm, I'm telling you, like, she was so mutilated, they probably couldn't even tell if she had had sex before her death. Yeah. Like, they would have needed those fluids to yeah. be able to know for sure. Um, he says that um, Carol mutilated her body in a jealous rage. She was upset that he was attracted to her and went down and stabbed her. Because he says he did not do that. I won't say it's unlikely, but... It seems a little, <sighs> little, little crazy. Yep. Um, <laughs> so they leave this cellar, Carol and Charlie. They leave the cellar around 10.30 p.m. And they head back towards Lincoln. Why? To see if Carol's parents' bodies have been found. Why do you care? <gasps> they saw police cars around her home. And then they start heading west towards 
he says Washington State. He has like a brother that lives in Washington State, so he they were gonna like go there and hide out basically. But after driving for three hours and they like hit the border of some state, I forget, they drive back to Lincoln. They turn around and come back to Lincoln. What? I yeah, I don't get it. Um <laughs> so confused. They sleep in their car. Um and then the next day, on January 28th, 1958, um, this is, this is crazy. <laughs> um, they go driving around in the morning in this very well-to-do neighborhood where Charlie had been a garbage collector. Mm-hmm. And they can this. And eventually, they, are for- they force their way into the house of Clara and Chester Lauer Ward. Um, and... Chester Lauer Ward was um, 47 years old, and he um, was the president of the Capitol Bridge Company and the Capitol Steel Company. Okay. Um, and like I said, he had collected garbage in their neighborhood, so he knew the area pretty well. Yeah. Um, he goes to the back door where he uh, finds Lillian Fensel. She was 51 years old, and she was the ward's maid. Um, okay. And I only saw this in one documentary, but it was a PBS one that was made in Nebraska. So I was like, oh, that's probably <laughs> this pretty is accurate. probably pretty true. Um, they <laughs> said hope? that the that the maid answered the back door, but she was deaf. And she couldn't hear him. Oh, no. And Charlie eventually writes her a note that says, sit down and shut up. When she, when he eventually realizes she's deaf. Jesus. Um, the only people home at the time were Lillian and Mrs. Ward, who's 46. Um. Mr. Ward had already left for work, and their son, Michael, was at boarding school, so he was not home. Yeah. Um, sh- Mrs. Ward comes down for breakfast and finds Charlie in the kitchen with Lillian, holding a gun to her. Um, and around 12 p.m., he kind of lets them go about their day and is like, don't fucking leave. But like, yeah. he like explores their house and is doing some things. And around 12 p.m., he asks Mrs. Ward to serve him pancakes in their library and then later on is like no i don't want pancakes i want waffles what yeah like what the fuck (laughs) dude Um, (laughs) and charlie says that at 1 p.m he allowed um mrs ward to go up and change and he noticed that she wasn't coming down and so um he went to check on her and then she claimed that he came or that she came out of her son's room wielding a gun (laughs) he says that she shot at him missed and then turned to run and that's when he threw his hunting knife and it struck her in the back this did not kill her it just wounded her Mm -hmm. um and then he dragged her um to into her bedroom and tied her up yeah um he snapped the neck of one of their family dogs um by hitting it with the butt of the gun um because it started barking um and there was this other thing that said that he had bound and gagged her and covered her with a sheet like this he keeps covering the bodies but she's not dead she's alive yeah so why are you covering her with a sheet because she's not dead yeah it was weird um and around this same time when all this is happening um police have found charlie's abandoned car stuck in the snow 20 miles outside of lincoln it's still there? It's still there. They, <laughs> they left it. Um, so what happened was they, they left it there, got picked, up by, um, got picked up by the couple. Yeah. And murdered them and took their car. Okay. So they have a new car. Got it. But it, their car that they had originally had is it's stuck in the It's just still snow. there. Yeah, still there. Um, and 25 police cars end up coming and surrounding the Myers farm. Yeah. Um. And the police thought that Carol and Charlie were probably hiding out in there. And um, they end up, like, throwing tear gas into the house, but nobody comes out. And when they go in, there's nothing but Myers' body on the property. Nobody's there. Yeah. Um, And around this same time, also, a missing person report is filed for Robert and Carol. Mm Because they were on a date and didn't come home. Um, And this is kind of also when their bodies are discovered. 
okay. because it's not very far from the Myers farm. Yeah. So they were like, oh, let's go search the area. And uh, they find that place. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, so so that's, that's the first half. That's part one? That's part one. Ugh. And you'll find out about the additional victims in part de. <laughs> You're literally going to find out in like two seconds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but they won't. They won't. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I have, to, I have to give my frustration for them. I get to know in five minutes. They get to wait a week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. And it won't be a week exactly because you have a case too, right? So it'll probably be Friday. Oh, yeah. So um, you'll get it soon. Sooner. Sooner rather than later. <laughs> but, guys, isn't this case crazy? This is so <laughs> weird. It's so weird. It's just, I li- I can't wait to hear the trial. Oh, yeah. Between these two. Oh, my God. I, and they try them separately. Do they really? And one testifies against the other. Oh. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like this he said. It's, it's definitely he said, she said, and I cannot tell who is telling the truth. I can't tell. Oh, no. Because Charlie is so smart. He could either be trying to manipulate the situation to, like, make it seem the way he wants it to seem. Or he could have been protecting her. And then when, like, he realized that he's fucked. Yeah. He was like, well, if I'm going down, you're fucking going down with me. Yeah. And, like, eventually tells the truth. But he changed his story so many he times. That people are like, uh, what do we is do? Is this true? She maintains the same story throughout the, in, like, entire thing. But there are things that change in her story. Like, little things where it's like, mm, you didn't say that. But you didn't say that You didn't say time. that before. So, like, his stories change blatantly. They're like, he tells, he says at first, yeah, she was an unwilling, unwilling hostage. Yeah. Next is a completely dis- different story. Next is a completely different story. And hers is the same general story the whole time with little things yeah, that like, like are like, mm, that's suspicious. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so ready to hear this. <laughs> so, sorry, y'all. I feel bad, but I don't feel bad because this is long. <laughs> and I went down my rabbit hole. I couldn't help it. We will keep you on a hook. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, um, Nicole... Where can they find us? We are everywhere. <laughs> do we? Where's our little papers? Did I Tyler mean, move them? Ugh. He does that a lot. But it's okay. I can do this. So, first of all, our social media. Social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Buzzkillers Podcast. Buzzkillers Podcast. We are on Twitter at Buzzkillers Pod. Buzzkillers Pod. We have our very own website, www.buzzkillerspodcast.com. Buzzkillerspodcast.com. And on that website, you know, you can check it out. We There's little blurbs about us. You can learn a little about me and Macy. <laughs> you can listen. You can follow all of our social media. We have links on there to freaking everything. We have a link tree, too, don't we? Yes, we do have a link tree, which oh. is um, it's normally the main link provided on all of our social media. So it's in, like, the bio. Oh, bio, in the bio section pick. on, like, yeah. Twitter and Instagram. So whenever you try and get anywhere, it brings you right to – it's a link tree I made through our own website. So it's, like – not link. exactly the same as a real link. It's like not a real link tree, but it's a link tree. <laughs> <laughs> but um, our website, you can also check out all of the wines we drink. There's pictures and descriptions and all that fun jazz. Try some. Um, try some and tell us how they are. Tell us if you like them. Yeah, because mm. we haven't really found. I f- we have like had two. We've had a few that we that we were like, eh. yeah. And th- <laughs> but most of them we love. We do. And I don't <laughs> like, like, dry red wine, so the fact that I'm even drinking that at all is... I, we've, and we've tried a lot more reds than we have whites. Well, because they have all of the scary they, names. They do. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I would prefer to drink white wine. Anyway. Um, but there's a whole section on that site dedicated to contacting us. So, guys, write us messages. Tell yes. us topics you'd like us to cover, cases you want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Tell us your reactions to cases that we've covered, your own theories on cases we've covered. Give us some love. Just give us a shout out. We'll be like, hey, guys. Listener stories. Oh, yeah. Listener stories. We really want to do listener stories. Tell us your stories. I don't care if it's two sentences long or 15 pages. I will probably read it. I'm like, oh, 
I'll did. be like, this is fucking fascinating. <laughs> um, Nicole loves listener stories. And if you don't want to use our website to do that, you can just go straight through our Gmail. We have buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and so you can send us an email either way. They both connect to the same email. So we'll get it no matter which way you send it. Woohoo! Um, and then we are a little bit of everywhere. If you want to take a listen, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Amazon Podcast. Amazon Music. Music. Sorry. Amazon Music, which also includes Audible. Um, we are on iHeartRadio. We are on Pandora. And we are on Podbean. And YouTube. And Oh, YouTube. Sorry. I feel <laughs> Damn like it. I need the list back. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we should uh, put the YouTube, though, with the social media. I can never tell which one it goes to. I would do social media. <laughs> That's what I think of, but maybe, I don't know. Mm. Well, it's kind of like you can listen. You can listen there. That's true. You can. That, I mean, yeah. So, I don't know. But we it's also post all of our YouTube videos that we use for our, like, sources. research. Yes. Yeah, in there, too. We have a whole There's um, a whole cool, playlist. like, playlist of all YouTube sources. And I, I'll go through and I, like, go through every episode and make sure every YouTube is added to it. So you can see all of the YouTube videos that Mama we've v, used. Mama V, this is for you. <laughs> There's a lot of videos in there. Um, and, I mean, guys, remember, we don't always use everything that we see. So... I mean, like when I even when I did like I did the mini on Ryan Lawrence, there's yeah. actual videos from the trial. Yeah, that I think are, that like, I included really some. Long. I included some from um, Stacey Caster, too. Yeah. Her and trial. Uh, so they're really cool to check out because sometimes there's little things in there that we don't even catch and they could be cool. They could be fun. So give them a look. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. if you want to um, like find us on youtube make sure you're looking for buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast if we get a thousand of a hundred subscribers we can get our own personalized url but yes. we're not there yet <laughs> but go ahead Love and us. go ahead and like and subscribe we <laughs> would appreciate your <laughs> kindness anyway but yeah you can check us out in all those fun places and give us a listen give us a shout and yeah yeah. That's it. <laughs> until next time. And until next time, time friends. <laughs> we love you. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>